today's episode of the TalkHouse podcast, and in fact, all of the TalkHouse podcasts recorded backstage at Pitchfork Festival 2017, is brought to you in part by Sure. Here at the TalkHouse, this is our first collaboration with Sure, but we've been using their microphones from the very beginning. If you go to our YouTube channel and watch any of our full episodes, you'll see any of the artists there. The Flaming Lips, Wayne Coyne, DJ Premier, Prince Paul, Kathleen Hanna, Meredith Graves, Todd Berry, Chris Gethard, Fab Moretti of The Strokes, David Cross. They're all using Sure microphones. It's because it's all we've used the whole time. They're the best. Sure also just released its Motive microphone series. Sure's Motive microphones are specifically designed for your podcasting needs. And in fact, loyal listeners, if you recall the recent episode featuring LCD Sound System's Tyler Pope in conversation with Thurston Moore, Tyler's intro conversation was recorded by him in Europe just after walking off stage with the band with the Motive plugged directly into his phone. It sounds amazing, and so will your podcast recorded with Motive. What's up? What's up? This is Ali Einhorn. Welcome to the TalkHouse podcast. Today I'm joined by... Hey, I'm Amy Rose Spiegel, TalkHouse Music's Editor-in-Chief. I hope all of you listeners enjoyed Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed your tofurkey, your vegan pot roast. Listen, we have an amazing show for you today. This is the fourth installment in our Pitchfork Music Festival series. We recorded a bunch of talks backstage at the fest. In conversation today, our de facto Chicago correspondent, Spencer Tweedy. And Jason Bala and Mikey Wells of Nehi. So Nehi actually played one of my favorite sets of the fest. These guys were having so much fun on stage. They actually even covered Harry Nilsson. That's so funny because these guys, I mean, they rock. They don't, they don't sound like Harry Nilsson. Right. I mean, you'll hear it yourself, listeners, as we play you this clip of Rattled and Strange off of their most recent record, Offers. That's not Harry Nelson. Nah, but it does rule. And so, in addition to that most recent record, Offers, they've also collaborated with Jamila Woods, who you might remember from our last Pitchfork podcast. Right, she was on the podcast speaking with the ladies of the band Ohm. There's another connection here. Seema Cunningham of Ohm each year runs the artist area of Pitchfork Music Festival. She also sings in the band Tweety. Now, Spencer Tweety decided to intern with her to learn a little bit about the fest this year. So he took a moment out of his crazy busy day to join us in our backstage trailer. Loyal listeners, you'll of course remember Spencer Tweedy speaking last year at the fest with Whitney. Now, Spencer grew up in Chicago. He has a very famous dad. You might recognize the name Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy of Wilco is his father. And together, they are the core of the band Tweedy. She spoke to me and provoked my pain. Spencer himself has been playing since he was a very little boy. He co-founded his band, The Blisters, who are still around, still releasing music at the age of seven. Amazing. Amazing. This dude's awesome. And he's a great drummer. Now, Spencer is Chicago through and through. And in this talk, the guys get into a few sort of Chicago establishments. And, and I just want to give a little context for those. 
So the first one is the guys talk about the famed Second City. Second City is an awesome incubator for comedy talent, ranging from Amy Poehler to Tina Fey to Chris Farley. And it goes all the way back to like John Belushi. I mean, a lot of SNL's most famous cast members came through Second City. They also get into The Empty Bottle. Now, this is an iconic club in Chicago. Almost every band coming up plays there, and a lot of great touring bands come through. And a couple of the guys from Knee High work there. Yeah, they actually run sound and lights at the venue. Totally. They keep the shows going. Now, the guys also get into Taste of Chicago. And, and I'm going to derail this introduction for a second, Amy Rose. Please. Because I have a little Taste of Chicago story. You might remember I used to play in a band. I do. We were called the Scotland Yard Gospel Choir. We were signed to Bloodshot Records. And we were asked to play Taste of Chicago. Taste of Chicago pays a lot of money, but it's a very lame fest. It's a lot of restaurants setting up and sort of giving you like a tidbit of food for $300, you know, that kind of thing. Sure, totally. So just before our set, I went out and I bought a slice of what was meant to be deep dish pizza from a vendor called Reggio's. But Amy Rose, it was not deep dish pizza. Gasp. This was a limp piece of cardboard on my paper plate. I'm from Chicago. I love New York pizza. I adore it. There's apples and oranges. They're both amazing. But when you order a Chicago deep dish slice, you want a Chicago deep dish slice. And I felt so bad for the girl who sold it to me. We looked in each other's eyes and she knew that she was selling me a lie. (laughs) So anyway, I spent about a third of our set denouncing Reggio's from the stage until one of the fest organizers actually ran over and asked me to stop hating on the sponsor. Ooh. Yeah. But I'm going to do it one last time. Reggio's. If you're selling Chicago-style pizza, it's got to be deep dish, dog, not the thin cardboard shit. All that being said, the guys talk a lot about Chicago music, Chicago establishments, and Pitchfork Festival here. They also talk about Nehi's origin theory of Spencer's, quote, ponderous gaze. They get into why bands ask for gold-flaked burgers on their riders. Yeah, they do. They also, there's a theory postulated of WWE's progressivism and wrestling in the name of peace. Of course. And finally, how what really matters is rock and roll. And taxes. Should we roll it? Let's do it. Um, My (laughs) name is Spencer. Uh, Spencer Tweedy. I play in a couple of bands, including one with my dad called Tweedy and one called The Blisters, which we might talk about. We should. I'm Jason. I play in a band called Knee High with Mikey over here. Yeah, it's me, Mikey, from Knee High. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I hadn't um, ever seen you guys play until today at Pitchfork, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Qualify with actually, because I had a panic had no attack. idea what to expect. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> no, my cord broke. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was just for like a song or two. So I was uh, having a panic attack for a second, but it all got figured out. It mm-hmm. ended up working out. It was pretty smooth. <laughs> this is also yeah. the first time we, um, Played with someone helping us guitar tech. Oh, nice. And uh, we're not used to playing a stage so big, so all of our cables are like sure. not only <laughs> three feet long, you know? And so we're oh like, my God. A do- it's like a dollar a foot. Yeah, originally <laughs> when cords. I set up, it was like I kind of had a three foot zone between the stage. And I was like, I guess I should do something else. And then uh, even still, it was so short, I was pulling all of my pedals around. I was just trying to get our guy to, to tape it down. And mm-hmm. I was like, tape. And he was like, 
Yeah, and so he just started like putting tape on everything. And I was like, <laughs> no, like on the thing. I don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. But it worked out. It was okay. Well, next, I think you need to get the wireless pack. Just run around. Oh yeah, dude. And journey the, style. And then the and well, like Garth Brooks, like the Yo, mic yeah. pack, like yeah. like fly across the stage. Mm-hmm. Chris Gaines also. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a more material measure of where you are as a band than the length of your guitar cable. Yeah. <laughs> So now I can maybe ask you this question. Yeah, sure. So what do the blisters have in store? <laughs> uh, so, but we were talking about the band that I play in with my friends before we started recording. Um, and then I felt like a PRE jerk for saying, I want to save it for the podcast. But we were just, yeah. Anyway. But here we are. Yeah. So Jerk. <laughs> well, it's, a, I think, yeah. Well, that's gross. You don't want to be like that. But, um... So we've been a band since we were seven years old. I played drums in the band. Um, and it's, so the age was accurate that I was saying earlier. Yeah. So, so I felt like a jerk for saying nine years old. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Just a couple of that jerks cool. on the mic. Um, do you remember what year that was? I think the first time that me and Spencer, and maybe the last time that we ever mm-hmm. encountered each other was 2006 mm-hmm. at, at a blister show. Oh my God. It was 2006. Do Division Fest. Oh my God. It was my first job. Not really a real job, but I was a baby. Um, are you sure it was that long ago? That or old? seven? 2006 or seven. I don't know. Okay, then we were probably like 11 or okay. 12. So you guys have um, many years under your belt already. We have many years under our belt. We've only made two records in our 14-year career so far, but we still get together. We're going to Canada later this month and playing a couple of shows. That's and where Neil Young's from. And I Chad Van Galen. That. I should say hi. that. Um, Where are you going? We're going to Toronto, Ottawa, and um, this festival in Field, Ontario called River and Sky. A really hippie-ish camping um, that was actually my first and campfire. vibe with the River Sky. I was like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it's... There's going to be a name. lot of hula hoops. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we actually have played on these festival grounds once before uh, mm-hmm. as the North Coast Festival. Oh, really? So there's a shit ton of hula hoops. Wait, that happens here too? Yeah, the it's like the Park? same footprint, but with like a lot more stages because it's like all DJs or mm. a lot of DJs and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, we learned a lot of hoop? lessons from that one. Not drinking like an insane amount before when you play at Don't noon. play uh, in 100 degree weather. Yeah, uh, yes. The microphone was so hot. Just refuse to play. Just refuse. <laughs> Even if you're contracting. Yeah. I got ice packs on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the ice packs in, guys. Mm-hmm. You need uh, a tech, not for the guitars, but just to lay ice my on ice it. Tech. And like a, one of those spritzer fans. Mm-hmm. I remember in high school, there was always competition or... I, or I guess you could use North Coast versus Pitchfork as uh, it was like a divide between your kids. soul lies on the dark side Where or the light side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were kids. I mean, there's overlap, but it was sort of like um, jocks versus art kids thing. Jocks versus with EDM and rippers. Like sure. It kind of blew my mind. Like, not even to bring a, like age into this, but like. Or maybe it's like more of a growing up in the city versus like I grew up in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. But it's like kids who grow up in the city are doing the coolest shit when mm-hmm. they're in high school. They're like going to these wild shows and I was just like, I guess which park should I like bike to today? <laughs> and like just sit there for like four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I think kids growing up in the city definitely have an advantage, but I didn't take advantage of it very much. I was mostly on my computer at home. 
That seems also um, like a pretty good place to be. As a kid growing up here. Were you a pitchfork or a North Coast kid? Pitchfork? <laughs> um, You're I like think, Lala. Oh, God. Well, actually, I mean, no disrespect to Lala. The Blisters played on the Kids of Palooza stage there a few Sick. times. But where did you grow up, Mikey? I grew up in Wisconsin. Oh, right, right, right. In Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. In Fond du Lac. <laughs> there um, are all those billboards for Fond du Lac. Oh, no. Never for mind. For Fond du Lac? <laughs> there are billboards Don't for Oshkosh. <laughs> for Oshkosh, yeah. yeah Oshkosh, Bagash. It's not too far. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's not. It's like two and a half, three hours away or something. That whole region is um, can be a little bit scary. There's some people. <laughs> I go to school around there, and there's yeah, some, well, you went, yeah, you where, went up where there. About? Fox Valley, buddy. <laughs> I go to school in the Fox Valley. There's like a hundred thousand people in our area. Hundred thousand people calls? waiting to beat your ass, dude. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Are you from the city? <laughs> you from Chicago? I'm from Chicago. What's going on down Wait, there? <laughs> now we're seeing like the people threatening me are talk speaking like Chicagoans. Yeah, that's right. They they follow you everywhere. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hi. <laughs> oh. What do you got going on down there? <laughs> no, that's where I grew up. Yeah. There's some good times to be had mm-hmm. and some very bad times. Mm-hmm. Love Fond du Lac, though. Don't mm-hmm. beat me up what when I come back. What are you going to school for? <laughs> I study philosophy. Um, that's where that ponderous gaze comes from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I really I enjoy it a lot. Um it's like kind of all the stuff that I've liked about school, my mm-hmm. life so far, and and almost none of the stuff that I didn't like. Perfect. Yeah. It seems like actually like a major that has like critical thought is like the whole thing kind of. Mm-hmm. I went to school yeah. and it was not like that. Yeah, what did you study? Entrepreneurial management. Ooh. Yeah, and creative writing. That was really great, but mm-hmm. the management business school was like... It was just like learning like a language mm-hmm. of really boring stuff. You managed Jargon. to get through it. I did manage to get through. Um, That's where me and Mikey met was at, at college. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What school was that? DePaul. Yeah. DePaul. Nice. Um, wow, I would not have expected that you studied entrepreneurial. Un- I can't even say it. Seems like a good idea at the time. Business management. Entrepreneurial man- management. Um, yeah, so it was miserable. Yeah, I was kind of like the um, people were like wear suits a lot, and I was the guy who like was biking six miles to get to school and was yeah. like really sweaty in the middle of the summer. I was the guy in the suit throwing eggs at him every morning <laughs> <laughs> on the steps of Wall Street <laughs> as I bucked past. Ah, I'm a, ah you bum! <laughs> yeah, it's just that it doesn't really encourage like a lot of like questioning or like thoughts mm-hmm. actually like about like anything. It's just kind of like. Mm. Teaches you how to be like work within the corporate system, which is uh, so I found pretty dull Mm -hmm. and not very interesting. I've taken one class like that. It was like a financial literacy class. Um, I was happy that it wasn't like just telling us what a credit card is. Right. Um, It was. It was more than just like basic personal finance. It was actually like profit and loss statements and and balance sheets and all those things. But I. the way I feel about it is that it's not that fun to just learn about the way things uh, are done and like the way things, the way people are doing things. It's just like memorization kind of. You're like, okay, I wish people taught us about taxes like or how to do them. Yeah. Because like uh, 
as a or how to get around person. <laughs> yeah, for I'm sure. a corporate Wall Street guy. <laughs> <laughs> you got those eggs in your pocket right now. I'll, I'll get my suit. <laughs> Are you guys deducting all your guitars and stuff? Yeah, you're trying to. My guitar deducted mid Got some amor- <laughs> amortiz- amortization. Trying to, yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. It? I <laughs> tried to do my taxes by hand last year. Mm. And I think they I did mine them in wrong. stone. They sent they sent me a letter and we're like, try again. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna fine you, but just take a look at this. Yeah, yeah. Like check it. Learn please. from your mistakes. Yeah. Still don't know. I just use TurboTax. <laughs> me too. I think I think you're right though. They should be teaching us more about that. Maybe even like when we're younger than tax paying age. But also like people who are creative and who work on their own stuff and like make money in weird ways should know that you can deduct all the stuff related to the things you make. Or you don't have to, maybe they're like, hey, you don't have to pay taxes. Or maybe you don't even have to pay it. They're like, you That's what I'm trying to put out on this media outlet. No taxes for me. Yeah, well, you'd be better than the president. I have to say, this is kind of my dream, talking about taxes and spreadsheets with a band Rock that and I roll, like, dude. Rock and roll. And about music. It's, it's not I'm, not, about I'm the, not being sarcastic. I love both all all of those things. It's nice to talk about the things that matter. Death, things rock that matter. and roll. It's not about taxes. the music. It's not about the message. It's, it's about, about how money. you get those taxes done. It's about, <laughs> about money. money. It's about the instruments, the material objects you yeah, use to make The amount of gear, the length of the cable... You blame your tools. You worship your tools, and that's all that matters. I think we could use some better tools. Mm. My tools broke down halfway in through the set. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. I didn't even notice, honestly. Yeah. I, you played I it off well. It. No, I, I, bought, I bought it out. It's fine. Have you ever had an epic gear malfunction while uh, performing? Um, not while performing, but I've had uh, an epic pre-show gear malfunction, um, which is that we, I was playing at Second City, mm-hmm. the annual Letters to Santa benefit thing. Okay. And we got there. You're playing? And we, yeah. That comedy thing? Yeah, they have bands come because it's 24 hours long. Okay. And they have just like lots of people perform. But um, I unloaded all my drums and then I realized that I didn't bring uh, my drum seat or my kick drum pedal. Like two Whoa. very... One is more important than the other, the kick drum pedal. Because you can always find like a seat or a stool. And that was really, really awful. Steve Albini, whose uh, wife Heather runs that benefit, mm-hmm. was able to like go and materialize one out of nowhere. But um, I still have nightmares about it. That's crazy. That's like really the drumming sad. thing too because there's so many pieces. Yeah. Like we had like a long time... When we first start touring, where it would be like, you like get to the next show and you're like, ah, where are the symbols? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, damn, how did this happen? We were like playing, like, we kind of like definitely started out like doing DIY touring too. And it's like, a lot of times you're like at this house and you play there and then you sleep there and you are partying there or whatever. And it was just like, we were leaving so much stuff behind. Like, Alex probably has like five drum kits just like, Scattered across the country collectively. Yeah. But sometimes people mail it back, and it's also like incredible, like moment of kindness and mm-hmm. just like I don't know. Think mailing like simples is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Packs expensive. Up. It's expensive. That's really nice. Shout out to all those kind folks that made it happen. Mm. 
for our yeah. sorry situation. Buns. <laughs> or sorry, buns. Sorry, buns. <laughs> so what was, did, did you have one malfunction? In my- um, I don't know. I guess one of the worst ones, we like the only other festival we've played of like kind of this size was a Pygmalion festival in Champagne. Mm-hmm. And um, I broke the, the strings on all my guitars. And so then everything also went out of tune. And I didn't have all the strings. I like only play like you two broke strings. All the strings? Not all of them. Okay. All the useful Enough. ones. All the useful ones. I play like two strings mm. mostly. Mm. Bro- broke both of them. So I was like, oh, I'll just improv. <laughs> and then, uh, so I basically just played random notes for like three songs. <laughs> it was terrible. It was pretty bad, but I think it's always like worse when you're on stage than what's perceived in the crowd. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Everybody, nobody ever notices. Nobody's really listening. They don't even hear the music. <laughs> it's great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. The shit you can get away with. They're they're drinking beer and they're and they're maybe looking at us. Dancing. I don't think perhaps. they really hear it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just about the experience. Yeah. Which is nice because that's kind of what it is for, for us anyways, too. Yeah. I was right. I was going to say it is really apparent that you're having a good time and that's really fun. To, fun to see and fun to watch. Yeah, it's nice, it's nice not to be like too serious about it. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just because like why? I don't know. Yeah, There's like a good good level of seriousness to, to maintain, I think. But Yeah. Were you, have you always performed that way or did you used to be more like subdued? Yeah, I think so. Like we, at, at least in this band, like I play in this other group or I've had this other group for a long time that's like a lot more... Um, somber sounding. What's it's that? Like, it's called earring. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it sounds like broken music or something, I guess. But uh, that one was kind of a bit more like, I would still like interact with the music, but it was like, it's like not like, doesn't like, it's not like running around the stage or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like a different set of showbiz? movements. It's a different <laughs> set of showbiz. Yeah, showbiz. <laughs> not cut out for the big stage, I don't mm. think. Well, it's really, that's exciting to watch. And I've kind of had like a, a realization lately that, um, you can really, or at least most of the time, I think you can really change the way people, uh, a crowd perceives your show and, and like gives back to you depending on how apparently you're into it. Totally. You know? Yeah. I think it's like, I mean, it, it really at the end of the day, it's like all communication between you and the audience anyway. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's just like another extension of being able, like it's just body language basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it's like, you know, it's not like us just sitting here. Yeah. And the fear, I think, is that you would be super, super invested and like really energetic and emotional and then it wouldn't get reciprocated. Right. Like but, everyone's just like, yeah, and, then, and, and it just doesn't connect or something. But that's not so bad when and if it does happen. Because if you're still so having bad. fun, then it doesn't also doesn't matter. You're still having fun and you can sort of, those shows can sometimes even be the best because you're just like fuck you it's your (laughs) do you have any shows like that (laughs) not oppositional luckily not very many but there are there i have had moments where you're with your band and people just aren't really feeling it with you there's not a lot of emotion between you sure and then you sort of like look at your bandmates and and it does become adversarial you're like i'm gonna play (laughs) this song i'm gonna fucking enjoy it yeah yeah and you guys like we're in this 
together. I think it's a camaraderie building moment. It is, it is definitely. We had like yeah. a show like that in Eugene. Yeah. We played like the show that like almost no one came to and like there was like the, also these two tiny closets on either side of the stage. So like <laughs> once we realized no one was coming and it was kind of just like, it was just like a, it's, I don't know, it just like seemed like poorly put together or something. Yeah, it was just, it was a show that we had never played in that town before. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, and there was like the Super Bowl was happening or something. Uh, <laughs> the Super Bowl, FIFA. Some sort of big <laughs> sporting event. FIFA, Super Bowl, the FIFA World Bowl. Cup. Something. The FIFA Bowl. Black wins uh, are in big competition with those sports. With FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, yeah. I, I was, I did send for Proto Martyr a couple weeks ago. And when they were in town, they were, they played last, they had played the night of the, the World Series when the Cubs won. And it was like, Oh, Proto Mono show? Yeah. Yeah, I worked there. <laughs> you were there? Yeah, no, it was like dead. Everyone was watching the TV and all the opening bands oh, were like, whatever. No. And then Proto Mono was like, it should have been a sold out show because Proto Mono is awesome and mm-hmm. people love them. So right. it's like, <laughs> like they waited till they won and everyone was like, ah! mm. and then like they were like, hey, congrats. Right. Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Like we're ripped, Detroit but like, it was just funny. Yeah. <laughs> all the opening bands got shafted though. Yeah. Right. It is also fun to see all the music people that actually, that you would never think or whatever, but they're like huge like sports fans or something. Oh yeah. Like but actually the, the other two, I guess you're kind of a sports fan. Uh, man. The other two people in Nehi are like <laughs> more of a really guy. big sports fans. <laughs> and it's like, I would never know. Or like I just more like- More a wrestling guy. Yeah, for sure. That's a sport. It's a, it's an art. It's a reality, baby. <laughs> it's yeah. a reality, baby, babe. It's a reality, baby. Woo! You into wrestling at all? No, but we. Uh, I was just in wrestle a, a lot talk- on tour. <laughs> we wrestle a lot. <laughs> we do that. We do that for fun and for bonding. But then, uh, I was at a taco place uh, in Chicago the other day, and they had WWE SmackDown on, and it was the first. SmackDown's tight. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time I'd, I had ever been exposed to that at all. Really? I mean, I guess I've seen, we've seen on pictures <laughs> like on, on the internet and stuff and people have like John Cena memes and all that. Uh, but um, I had never Cena. seen it performed <laughs> and it, it was mind boggling. It's really like, Mikey has kind of opened my mind to the world of it. And it's like incredibly complex and like interesting. It's like this whole drama. Yeah. I and think like it's cute. Meta fiction. Like it is cute. Not to be condescending to fans of WWE, but <clears throat> what are you saying? No, um, <laughs> I think you're adorable. It's like macho ballet. Exactly. Meets um, like soap operas and then it meets like, <laughs> like reality like, TV. But like they're incredible athletes. It's so honestly. innocent. Well, no. Yeah. Well, nowadays mm. back in the Attitude Era <laughs> with Stone Cold. Mm. That was fucking. What's that cool. era called? <clears throat> the Attitude Era. Yeah. Attitude. Oh wow. So you, you're revealing that you do know some shit about this. Like not just some. <laughs> oh hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Nia's big goal about- is to try to bring it all back to that. Attitude We're trying era. to make a song that a wrestler will open up. Ooh. Like their opening songs. <laughs> we walk up to it. we walk up to wrestling theme songs <laughs> somewhat frequently. <laughs> like actually today. We walked Dude up, Love, yeah. yeah. Mick Foley. Mm. It's like a sort of a hippie wrestler, mm. which I guess doesn't really check out because it should be like. No, he's like hippie disco kind. wrestler. Yeah. Hippie what? He's like a disc. He does the thing oh. with the knees, like the dance move, you know, when you Where go like crossing back and forth. Yeah. Hands. And he, I don't know, he's like, oh yeah, like let's do this. You know, he has like. It's he's wrestling, know. but he's wrestling in the name of peace. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. It's it's really cute. It is cute. It's, it's not nice. cute. It's, <laughs> it's real to me, damn it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, but I think it's nice that like thou- like so many people and thousands of people are gathering to watch that and like play along with it and like Dude, love? spend time <laughs> somewhat harmlessly. It is ironic though when you think about how many of them are just absolutely toxically masculine assholes <laughs> in real life no i mean there's like now it's a little more enlightened <laughs> mm-hmm. because there's like uh i mean there's definitely that and it's like half and half mm-hmm. that's oh, why that's, good that's why it's good because it's like to you know daniel bryan Mm-mm. he's like a vegan um like total progressive dude from like the northwest you know he's like and he's a great wrestler and people love him oh nice so yeah, there's bits in that. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean the wrestlers. I meant like people who are into it. I guess that's more like a yeah, tap no, out but there's that UFC whole thing. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely, yeah. 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 Sure that's just like about the like... It's back and forth. That's about hurting people. Right. Which we're not, we don't promote. Yep. You heard it here. We're against <laughs> we hurting. Against violence. The Coalition <laughs> Against Hurting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm anti-hurting people. Yeah, me too. I say yeah. that's fair. I'm on the fence. That was Ric Flair. Is that a wrestler? Yeah. I've heard that name. Is that your favorite wrestler? He's my favorite wrestler. So both of you guys work at the Empty Bottle? Is that true? Mikey works there more than I I do. Mm -hmm. What do you guys do there? I do sound engineering. Mm -hmm. I do production engineering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do lights. And And light engineering. Nice. And door engineering sometimes. I feed the bands. <laughs> nice. He cooks it himself. <laughs> I might <a> little skillet. <laughs> what do you guys want on your hospitality rider? We've got this skillet or this skillet? Is that what? And it's, they're both eggs. <laughs> What's your most ridiculous thing on your rider? Oh my God. Because you probably got a, a pretty good, like, you got some rider wiggle room, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything on the right. Ri- oh, I have one thing on on what is uh, the the Tweety Band Rider, and it is Dill Pickles. Yes. A specific brand? No, uh, any brand is fine, but as long as it's a Dill. Yeah. If you try to feed me a sweet pickle, I send it back, and I smack it on the ground, <laughs> and I say you you're fired. Um, <clears throat> that uh. Yeah, dill pickles is the only thing I have, but it's riders kind of suck because like everybody always complains about them and and I and I do like production stuff too. I book shows at my school and I buy, I do the hospitality buying and stuff and and so I I see those things and people um who haven't been in bands always complain about them like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're asking for four cases of um, Topo Chico but the thing is at least in my experience I don't know if you guys feel the same way but most of the time it's not bands actually making the rider it's management and like tour man- a tour manager that's putting it together and their job is to please the band that they're working for and to make mm-hmm. sure they have enough food and drink for them and like and fun stuff and on top of that most clubs they play uh, well, I guess depending on your level, but 
most of the time, you're going to get almost none of it. So it's sort of like a negotiation thing where you ask for gold flake burgers and they, so that you can at least get a McDonald's burger, you know? That's fair. Never even thought about it that way. It's like you're like, I want $400, but you really want three. Yeah. It's, um, it sucks that it has to be that way, but I don't know. Or, I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. But have you, do you guys have a rider and do you get it fulfilled most places you go? Mm, we've been like, a, we had, right yeah. when we first got a booking agent, we we're like, oh, a rider. Mm-hmm. And then and we, we put like vegetables. Yeah, basic stuff. Yeah. And now we just like beer. Yeah, we, yeah. we've stripped yeah. it down very minimal. We Tequila, if we can finagle it. A beer. Yeah. Sometimes, like when we're on tour, it's nice to have a bunch of like fruit and stuff for breakfast in the morning. Yeah, but that's it. You know, wow, that is very. We just want to like drink. getting oranges and apples <laughs> or bananas that like, yeah, can you know last some days. Yeah, but nothing too cool, unfortunately. Yeah, and then sometimes you even get charged for it. I mean, yeah. every time you pay for it, it's yeah. like you're paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is something I just learned recently. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Which is actually why we pared it down. Because yeah. we're like, oh, we just need the essentials. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Mikey? No, I got to pee. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that was, you that, should that go was pee. serious. That was serious. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Do you want, there's a bathroom trailer right next to us. I should think. I bring the mic? <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell a writer story, though? Yeah. Before, yeah. While Mikey goes to the bathroom... Um, I think it was 2014, um, my band with my dad was booked to play Taste of Chicago mm-hmm. in Chicago. And it ended up getting rained out, which was really disappointing because we were like on our way out the door at home. Like all the gear was in a truck and we were ready to go play. And then it got canceled. But um, somehow some like Chicago Tribune reporter got all the writers. Oh, they got it from a Freedom of Information Act request because it's public money funding Taste of Chicago. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. You can request like any band's writer and I think maybe some contracts and stuff right. from the government because the city's paying for those shows. And so somebody did that for our writer. I think because the show was canceled, they were like, this is how much money that got wasted, blah, blah, blah. Right. And... uh and they did like an itemized takedown of like how pompous everything on our rider was because uh, I don't even remember what was on it, and it felt it felt really bad. How long did it take to get That's over my story? Um, as you can tell, I'm still not over it. I guess so. <laughs> this is a lifelong scar this person put you through. It's a lifelong scar. It just feels bad when people think that um particularly if they don't understand people think you're a jerk yeah yeah when they don't understand and i but it's like not your fault it rained also that's true and the other thing is even though artists not to turn this into like an industry lesson for any for listeners but artists do get paid typically when festivals or shows are canceled for circumstances like that but festivals have weather insurance Mm -hmm. so it's not like when the, when Taste of Chicago gets canceled, it's not like all the taxpayer money is going to the bands and like the taxpayers didn't get anything. The the city took out weather insurance so that they get reimbursed sure. and blah blah blah. And they are taking like they want the opportunity to spend like twenty dollars on a cheeseburger. Exactly. That was cooked in the street. Right. Yeah. Sorry you didn't get to buy sixteen dollar 
ribs. I went there for the first time a week ago or something. Yeah. Because I was doing sound for um, Twin Peaks there. Oh, really? Yeah, we opened for this guy named Ben Harper. Mm-hmm. I've heard of him. I never had heard of him before, but um, I guess he has gr- Grammys or something. It was really weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a song called Burn One Down. Whoa. That's sick. There's like 13 congas on stage. Oh my God. Were they all played by one person? or? Yeah, I had to run down the line. <laughs> but they're all tuned the same, so it didn't really make any difference. Um, but yeah, it was kind of crazy because it was just a bunch of stalls with like really overpriced food. Mm. And I'm like, it's just cooked in the street. You just go to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it'll be great because it's cooked in their kitchen. It was like built to do it. Right, exactly. You know? I don't know. Yeah. That's my uh, street street festivals in general because like, I work a lot of them. I like uh, love to hate them. Yeah, I also hate crowds. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's. They I always feel bad being make being negative about festivals while we're at a festival and enjoying one. Oh right. But I feel like it's also a little bit of a cliche. Like artists complain and they're like, "If I weren't playing here, I wouldn't be here." But it's the way I feel and it sounds like it's the way you feel too yeah some of them I'm actually having a lot of fun at this one yeah and not even just saying that because we're here but. yeah no the one you're at is always an exception <laughs> yeah well it's like yeah. I also just work a lot of these ones and a lot of them are like cover bands mm-hmm. that aren't good yeah and like I hear Jesse's girl 13 times a day because I have to sit there the whole time because mm-hmm. I'm doing sound for them so that's why I get burnt out on. And yeah. it's just like, it's like, Bud Light, Jesse's girl. Yeah. And it's like 14 hours and I'm like, ah, I can go home. And then yeah. it's like another day. There's a festival in Wisconsin where near where Mikey grew up yeah. that explicitly bans covers, all covers. Sick. That's basically what I would like. Because I mean, Chicago actually, which I didn't realize until I toured a lot, is like, we have all these street festivals that like, it's like a Chicago thing, yeah. which I didn't realize. But there's a lot of cover bands out there. Some of them are dope, though. Some there's a Chicago cover band mm-hmm. here oh, yeah. that covers all Chicago songs. Uh-huh. They're so sick. Really? Yeah, have yeah. you ever heard the... I think they're called the City Transit Authority. Oh, nice. That's... Yeah. Have you heard the Zimmerman? No. They're a Bob Dylan cover band. Oh, sick. And I love them. Really? Yeah, they're great. How many times have you seen them play? Just once. Cool. Um, I've seen CTA like three times. Oh, wow. You're a real fan. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like Chicago, Chicago, Chicago? I only the know them through the CTA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is a next level of tribute band fandom. You, They introduced you to the band. Yeah, yeah. T- which they are tributing. Yeah, that's a true tribute. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's cool. I've never been super into Chicago, but maybe I'll like Chicago Transit Authority. I think you might. It might be the window you need to like the stepping stone. Yeah. Hey, Mikey. I peed. Well, now that you're back, Mikey. And now we can end it. Yeah. (laughs) That's actually maybe the perfect way to end it. Yeah. Well, before we end, I'm curious, are you, what are you guys doing right now? You just put out a record this year. Mm -hmm. Are you guys working on a new one already? Yeah. We've been writing like a lot of songs Demo, demo, demo in, um, mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Hopefully put something out next year. Do you guys record yourself or do you? No, we work with this guy, David Traino, and we did oh. a, a, do you know him? Yeah, he mastered my EP. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. He uh, has magic ears. Mm-hmm. 
that seemed to work really well. Magic Dave. He, he does all your tracking and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for both records so far. And uh, he's actually running around here today. Perhaps we could find him later. That'd be nice. But he's a really great engineer and um, just like makes it really comfortable to be there and like ex- like explore ideas. So mm-hmm. yeah, we we love working with him. So I don't know. We've been demoing with him, and we'll kind of like see what we got when it's there. But yeah, that's awesome. Pretty you excited m- about what we're doing though. So yeah, what's coming out? Did you make the this recent record with him as well? Mm-hmm. Nice. And his studio's in Logan Square, right? It was. It was. Uh, we recorded that one at Minball because he's kind of in, in between spaces at the moment. Oh, so. nice. But perhaps we'll do, who knows? Yeah. We'll see what we do. <laughs> yeah. But well, probably there. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that stuff. Thanks. Yeah. When's the next Blister show? Next Blister show in Chicago. Are is- y'all still here or are y'all out? Now we're here because everybody, <clears throat> except for me, has graduated school. Okay. And one of our members, our guitarist Hayden, is a full-time farmer in Green Lake, Wisconsin. No shit. Oh, Green um, Lake? That's where my grandparents used to live. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know what that's exactly about, <laughs> but exactly <laughs> near Fond- Fond du Lac. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, but uh, it's actually really cool. He raises chickens and pigs and Sweet. grows lots of vegetables. Um, other than that, we do play when everybody's home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you say? I don't know. I think now the peeing's been taken care of. I peed. I peed. The speaking's been taken care of. I think we'll go head out and then, and actually enjoy a music festival right. because it's Pitchfork. Let's get out there. And it's Ooh. good. Good talking to you, buddy. Yeah, you too. Is there any sort of official sign-off that we have to do for this? I don't think so. And away yeah. we go. <laughs> Boys, thanks so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. I'm Elia Einhorn. And I'm Amy Rose Spiegel. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you check out other episodes we've recorded backstage at Pitchfork over the years. Last year, we had an episode that contained talks between both Brian Wilson and Carly Rae Jepsen and Kamasi Washington and Thundercat. And from this year... We had Jamila Woods in conversation with Ohm, as we mentioned Shouts. earlier. We had the amazing Frankie Cosmos with Vagabond. Shouts. We had a band I love, Priests, with LCD Sound System's Tyler Pope. Shouts. And hey, Tyler Pope's label just released a fantastic new EP by Drug Apartments. Check that out. I want to give big shouts to Sure, who co-sponsored today's episode, and to Pitchfork Festival for always welcoming the talk house with open arms. Absolutely. I also want to say, Reggio's, fuck you. That is not Chicago-style deep dish pizza. I'm a Giordano's man. I'm a ride-or-die Giordano's man. This message is not officially endorsed by Talk House, uh, <laughs> but if you would like messages that are, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Talk House. You can also check out full video episodes on our YouTube channel. And of course, we're always at TalkHouse.com if you want to read amazing criticism and essays from some of your favorite musicians. Today's episode was co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. Shouts to Mark. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next time. Till then. Bye. Peace. Peace.